The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Today... We're going to talk about impulsivity and ADHD. All right. Now, I know that a lot of people think that anybody that has impulse problems has ADHD, but that is not a fact. You do not have to have attention uh, hyperactive deficit dis- attention deficit hyperactive disorder to actually have impulsivity issues. You know, um impulsivity comes at all ages and mostly in childhood it derives and that is because the decision making part of our our brain the prefrontal cortex which is basically the thinking part uh and it's behind your forehead and it's the last part of the brain to mature and and this doesn't occur until our our 20s so decision making is an important part of the brain function in, in the prefrontal cortex and this this explains impulsive decision making in in childhood and teens but people with ADHD have an even greater delay in the maturity of this part of the brain which may explain some of the impulsive traits that they have there's also a genetic factor involved in this and if you looked at the genome project when they broke down the human genes about 12 years ago what came about is there's 32 common genes that all of us have and people that have impulsivity issues or ADHD um, generally have a gene that's called a hunter gene. It's, it's there, there's a hunter-gatherer gene in all of us and people that are predispositioned with this hunter part which is about you know maybe 30% of our pro- uh, population, these folks have impulse issues because they're linear thinkers. They think in lines. Uh, they get caught up in uh, video games. They get caught up in anything that uh, is a straight line, like hunting, by the way. And so, you know, the deal is these folks have a lot of trouble doing multitasking. They, they struggle because they focus so intently on what they're after. Um, and so the deal is that people with this hunter uh, gene, this hunter-gatherer gene that have the predisposition to hunt were very necessary up to maybe 100 years ago uh, because we had to hunt for our food. But, you know, it doesn't just magically go away uh, because we can go to the grocery store now. The gene st- still sits there and these poor kids uh, have to uh, sit in class. Uh, during their most hyperactive part of their lives. And the reason they, they are so hyper by the time that they're uh, children and, and teenagers is because that's when they're in their prime hunting phase. That's when they're the fastest to run. They could go after the deer. They could chase down rabbits. They could chase down all kinds of stuff. 
during that time. And so that hyperactivity was very necessary to have that burst of energy. You know, the, but let's go back to, and we're going to talk about ADHD in just a little bit, but we're really, uh, let's focus first on impulsivity. There, there's uh, three types of impulsivity that actually can truly impact a person's lifespan, uh, including uh, experimentation with drugs or alcohol. Impulsive driving can lead to higher incidence of accidents, and also sexual impulsivity can lead to increased incident of sexually transmitted diseases. There's also a sense of uh, people having a problem with verbal impulsivity, which is cutting people off in conversation. You know, it, it's not too great on social relationships, and this can be very frustrating for friends and loved ones who try to communicate with somebody who is uh, verbally impulsive. So, you know, what are the key points in managing it? You know, a, a good starting place is to know your impulsive risks. You know, for example, in the form of communication, spending money, binging on things, driving, these can be considered critical moments of impulsivity. So getting on these on our radar is very, very important because these are the things that can kill us. You know, so the second point is when um, when do critical moments occur? Well, uh Overly emotional times or reacting to certain situations, uh, a drug and alcohol, they also contribute very much to our impulsive choices. And, and once a person has these choices and when they get impulsive on their radar, then the helpful concept for all of us is to look at the pause button. And that means that, that instead of immediately making a choice, Using the pause button and delaying to a later time when you can deal with this choice more effectively, you know, talk it over with someone else or imagine that your best pal or friend or coach would say about the choice that uh, you're making. You know, if novelty seeking plays a role in impulsive choices, again, discuss with someone else close to you before you make that impulsive choice. You know, a, a good mantra would be, uh, don't just do it, think about it first. You know, and that's the bottom line in, in controlling uh, impulsive choices. Impulse control disorders are pervasive. Um, they're, they're not all, once again, ADHD. Uh, people with impulse control disorder can resist the urge to do something harmful to themselves or others. They, they include uh, uh, addictions to alcohol, drugs, eating disorders, compulsive gambling, uh, paraphilias, sexual fantasies. Uh, behaviors involving non-human objects, suffering, humiliation, uh, compulsive hair pulling, stealing, fire setting, and intermittent explosive attacks of rage. These are all impulse control disorders. And, and some of these disorders, such as intermittent explosive disorder, uh, kleptomania, pyromania, uh, compulsive gambling, trickle-trillomania. Trickle-trillomania is when people uh, pull their hair out under stressful situations. They're very similar. All of these are similar in terms when they begin and how they progress. Usually, usually a person feels increased tension or arousal uh, before committing the act that, that characterizes the disorder. And during the act, the person uh, probably will feel a pleasure or gratification or even relief. But afterward the person may blame themselves and uh, feel regret and shame. So it, during the time, they're getting comforted. 
uh, when they're doing these things, like the hair pulling. You know, how are they different from uh, these impulsive disorders from similar disorders? Well, you know, while other disorders may involve difficulty controlling impulses, that's not their primary feature. And what we're talking about is the family of impulse control disorders. And once again, I'm going to talk about ADHD later. But, but basically, a manic state or a bipolar may have difficulty in controlling their impulses, but that's not their main problem. And so, once again, when we look at an impulse control, that is the main problem. When we're looking at bipolar, that is it. We have to treat the bipolar first. So some, you know, health professionals consider impulse control uh, disorders subgroups of other conditions such as anxiety, obsessive compulsive. Uh, medications uh, for treating depression can sometimes cause, uh, you know, like trichotillomania or eating disorders or, or the gambling. The, the impulsivity may actually increase in a person uh, with some uh, antidepressants. And so you have to look at that when you're taking stuff like that. And so we have to look at what causes impulse control. And, and many of these things play a role, which includes physical or biological, psychological or emotional, cultural, and social factors. You know, scientists do suspect that many brain structures, including the limbic system, are very linked to emotions and memory functions and the frontal lobe, which is the part of the, the cortex is linked to, the prefrontal cortex, as we talked about, control the planning functions and impulses. And, and so a lot of people that have impulse control uh, have a lot of activity going on in their prefrontal cortex. And they have to get stimulated up there so that it calms down. And that's why many people take stimulants that have a uh, uh, impulse control problems. There's also uh, hormones associated with violence and aggression, such as testosterone. Some people can have too much testosterone, which leads to impulsivity. So there's medical reasons also when we look at this. Okay, now let's take a look at ADHD. Symptoms of ADHD develop in childhood, as we talked about, and they persist into adolescence, which is usually around 15 years old, maybe 16, 17. Uh, some people go on longer. And, and it's, uh, it can have very serious consequences if these kids are not treated because they're chronic underachievers. They're, they're being asked to sit down when they're very hyper. They have a very hard time focusing, so their schoolwork oftentimes is problematic. And they have strained relationships. A lot of characteristics of ADHD work like this. Uh, being the hunters that I discussed earlier, what oftentimes happens with ADHD, you can identify them because they always like to watch the herd. They, they like to sit on the perimeters. They don't like to sit in the middle. The other thing about ADHD people uh, that is very characteristic of them is they don't make a lot of close friends. They have a lot of homies. That means that they have a lot of situational friends, but they don't have a lot of really close friends. Um, they kind of situationally, I go to the movies with this person, I play with this person, I go play, you know, I do sports with this person, but they don't oftentimes keep that person around as a, a genuine holistic friend. And the other uh, characteristic that is oftentimes seen in people with ADHD, especially kids with ADHD, is that they oftentimes get very focused 
on video games and they get lost in their concentration on just certain things. Uh, these kind of kids are very good at things like swimming because that's linear. They're good at golf because it's linear. It goes in a straight line. They're, they're, they're very good at things uh, oftentimes like uh, that are chore-oriented. But if you give them an unstructured environment, they'll create structure, but it won't be a structure that you like uh, because their brain is so chaotic. And uh, so they have a very hard time multitasking. And uh, like I said before. All right. Now, ADHD actually affects about 3 to 5% of preschool and school-age kids. That's in the United States. And to put these numbers in perspective, in a class of like 20 to 30 children, it's likely that one to two students will have ADHD. And the majority of these children will continue to experience impaired symptoms in adolescence and even early adulthood. So, you know, boys are diagnosed two to three times as often as girls. And though this uh, difference in rate of diagnosis for males and females seems to be out of, uh, even out of adulthood and adult males and adult females being diagnosed, uh, what we notice is that women actually are a latent diagnosis with ADHD. Now, now here's some symptoms of ADHD. Uh, by the way, the, the diagnosis of ADHD comes with several flavors. One of them is inattentive. That means they're not hyperactive on the outside. They're hyperactive on the inside. Then there is the hyperactive on the outside, and then there's the combined type where their thinking is very hyper, and so is their movement. Their motor movement is very hyper. So there's three basic categories. But they can, you know, the symptoms can present very, very different in the lifespan of a person with ADHD. Um, usually, here's the, prom uh, the, the prominent inattentive uh, uh, diagnosis and symptoms. They fail to give close attention to details. They make careless mistakes in schoolwork or work uh, in other activities. They are easily distracted. They have difficulty paying attention to tasks, especially on tasks that are long and tedious. They do not seem to listen when they're spoken to directly. They may daydream. Their mind seems to be elsewhere, even in the absence of uh, obvious distraction. And they struggle to follow uh, through on instructions and finish schoolwork, chores, and duties in the workplace. They have diff difficulty uh, being organized. They lose things. They avoid and dislike activities that require sustained mental effort. And they're mm -hmm. frequently very forgetful. And uh, so now if we look at the predominantly hyper and impulsive type, this person fidgets with their hands and feet, squirms in the seat. They often leave uh, their seat in the classroom in situations which remaining seated is expected. They even may feel restless during activities or situations in which they remain seated. So, now, what I'm trying to do is give you the tools and the symptomology so you can identify if a kid is in the family of ADHD. They also have in, uh, difficulty engaging in activities quietly. They're often on the go or act if they're driven by a motor and, and is, they're uncomfortable being still for a very extended amount of time. They also tend to talk excessively, uh, hyper-talkative. They also tend to act without thinking, such as uh, starting on tasks without adequate preparation. Um, they may not listen to directions. 
they just go ahead and do something and they blurt out answers before questions have been completed. You know, uncomfortable. They're very uncomfortable doing things slowly and systematically. They, they rush through everything and they often have difficulty awaiting their turn. Um, they're very impatient. They interrupt or intrude on others. They butt into conversations and games. And they also make very impulsive decisions without thinking about the consequences. They have a very impaired ability to stop, think, and inhibit, and plan, and then act. Now, the combined type has all of that. And so that is the struggle that ADHD is for all children. Now, I'm going to talk about, and we're going to take a quick break here in a minute, but I'm going to talk about adolescence and then move on into the uh, parenting of kids with ADHD, and then we're going to talk about uh, the ADHD for adults. We're going to take a quick break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about ADHD, and I'm going to go into adolescence because I just finished with uh, children. But adolescence, um, you know, these kids are very impulsive. And, um, you know, what is impulsive? Once again, it's, it's actions based on sudden desires, whims, inclinations rather than careful thought. And the, these kids are inclined to act on impulse 
rather than thought. And what's dangerous is as they get into adolescence, they're much more independent and they're much more crafty and uh, they're much more manipulative. And so these kids have a lot of challenges. Once again, there's very much uh, changes in brain development for ADHD kids. That prefrontal uh, lobe in the brain, which is once again right behind the forehead, that part of the brain is very, very important because it takes a very long time to develop. That's why kids are so immature because that part of the brain needs experience and logic and it takes a whole lot of things in in this world and it collects that knowledge and then it develops a thing called wisdom where it's able to pull all kinds of uh, information from our past and from what we've learned and actually give us the ability to function in a much more logical uh, way, in a much more succinct way. Unfortunately, some kids with ADHD don't develop. They're called late bloomers. And, you know, I would also tell you it's usually not a good idea for them to head off into college after high school because they're still challenged with a lot of developmental skills and a lot of developmental problems. And so uh, oftentimes these kids do a lot better if you get them in college around 22 to, to 25. That's when they're a little more geared towards life. They've settled down and now they're becoming a little bit better at, at – uh, Instead of being the uh, the hunters, they become more of the gatherers because their basal ganglia, which is also right at the prefrontal cortex, it's actually right in the very center of the frontal lobe of the brain. It's right between your eyes, basically, and it's it's a little almond-shaped thing. And that that basal ganglia, if it's overstimulated, that is the main uh, cause of ADHD. All right, so. Uh, you know, the other problem with adolescents and ADHD is they have very uh, increased risk-taking behaviors. And that is a, a characteristic of ADHD in adolescents. Uh, during that adolescent time, they do physical activities like climbing, jumping, uh, fighting, uh, binging. Uh, that is a big thing. You know, alcohol, drugs, impulsive eating, uh, Sometimes it leads to, to bulimia, uh, you know, because they, they start vomiting because they want to eat so bad, but then they feel guilt and shame afterwards. And so they, they beef up and then they barf out. It's, it's disgusting, but that's what happens with these kind of kids. Also, uh, you know, more graphic forms of, of, of uh, impulsivity in ADHD kids is stealing and fighting. You know, and this leads to incarnation for young people with ADHD. And unfortunately, like I said, they're, they're genetically uh, predispositioned to this. This isn't an a, a, a environmental disorder. This isn't something they just picked up from childhood. This is a problem that they have with life because of the way they're designed. They get bored so fast. And time is our worst enemy. And so, you know, kids with ADHD have a very hard time filling time. That's why developing structure in your parenting with ADHD kids is so, so important. Now, what are some more subtle uh, manifestations uh, that happen with, uh, with a kid in adolescence? Impulsive spending. You know, people with untreated ADHD often will see something that they want and give it immediate gratification. If they have a dollar, they'll spend it. And later they, they feel guilt and shame. And uh, more other subtle versions in a teen's life of 
impulsivity problems is decision making. They're not trusted. They have a lot of challenges in their relationships where people have to depend on them because their decision making is so impulsive. And so a lot of people have hostile relationships, especially parents, towards their ADHD kids because they can't understand why they are so impulsive. But if you understand the brain and you understand the genetics, these kids were what kept us alive. They were our hunters. They were very necessary for many, many generations. But today, hunting is just a leisurely thing that people do. Up to 50% of people with ADHD have struggled with substance dependence at some time in their life. You know, uh, drugs, alcohol, these have horrible outcomes as far as these people living a long life. And so what we have to do as people is we have to be very, very helpful to these folks and help them think through their their uh, impulsive thoughts and where they're the most impulsive as they grow up and we have to be very very empathetic towards them and help them you know also with sexual impulsivity when a kid's in their adolescence they're just discovering their organs and of course it's like wow 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 I can't believe I got this thing and woo you know and and the deal is their testosterone level is huge and so they are they're basically geared to have sex and that's what all kids are at that age they're geared to have sex because that's how we procreate our species and that was very necessary in our genetics for us to have sex at a young age because we used to die at a very young age but now we don't as much because we have what's called health care all right so these folks you know basically are very much uh have a problem with sex they get people pregnant at a very young age. They end up having to manage raising children and uh, taking on financial uh, decision-making at a very young age because they're so impulsive and they struggle with this. So when you're parenting an ADHD kid, you have a lot of things that you have to uh, uh, really look at. You want to create a very connected childhood with an ADHD kid. Many kids grow up disconnected. That is a big struggle for them. So they may have a material advantages but lack the most important advantage, which is an emotional connection to people, places, and activities that they love. A connected child feels involved in a world larger than themselves. They, they, they feel held in loving arms. They feel very, very much connected, and that is so important. If parents are parenting an ADHD kid, they want to reach out to that kid. They want to love them. They want to communicate with them. They want to let them vent. They want to hear them. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but you know, validating like, I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. That means that they have a place to talk. That means they have a taste place to process, and that prevents impulsivity, especially if they can bounce it off their parent. Also, you know, uh, I really urge you, I really urge you to uh, get to them and, and work with them and, and get involved by creating time with your kids, you know, creating a, a, a routine like this is the day we go get ice cream. This is the day that we go shopping together. This is the day that, that we go play at the park. You know, these are things that these kids look forward to and they expect and they want. And so you as a parent, you have to really – really connect with your ADHD child. Also, you want to encourage play. 
You know, play is an activity, and that engages their imagination. And so play makes their mind light up. You, you can play uh, on their bed. They can play, you know, imagining the sheets are ghosts or the, wall, the walls are, are caverns. Or, or you can play uh, like solving a ge- geometry problem or, or tinker with a car or tinker with, with something. You know, the deal is, is that what you need to do is create a game out of tasks. Create a game out of chores. And if you can do that, you will engage that child and they will feel good about being who they are and a part of the family. They have a very active imagination. And so once again, you want to create games, 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 games out of much. And you want to play with them also so they know that you are safe. The other thing is you want to encourage practice if you're a parent of an ADHD kid. You have to think in terms of practice because that builds their self-esteem and that teaches them the habits of discipline. And and that means self-discipline, by the way. This is a very important uh, factor. If we get them into sports and and it's a sport that they like, what we want to do is get them to practice, 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 practice. If they can learn self-discipline within that sport, or within that, within that activity, that teaches them how to focus and concentrate. And so this is very helpful in helping them become independent. Also, you want to help them, if you're a parent of ADHD kid, you want to help them master a problem. And you want to praise the heck out of them. You know, uh, anything, anything that is accomplished by an ADHD kid that is hard is going to help them understand what it's like to live life. So, you know, if it's having to build a, 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 like a little car for, for Boy Scouts or something like that, or if it's having to uh, put a doll together, or if it's having to, you know, re- redo their room in a way that they like it. I mean, these are all very good activities. And if they're harder, if the harder they are, the more they get out of it. So it's very important to do that. You also, once again, you've got to praise them. They really thrive on praise. ADHD kids love praise. That's what they live for. And so you want to to parent them with positives. Also, when I talk about structure, you know, all kids, every kid, whether they're ADHD or not, benefit from routines. And many children are able to structure things around themselves and do good habits on their own. But for a kid with ADHD, this is hugely difficult you know, children with ADHD struggle with the ability to regulate and, and to stop behaviors and to keep their focus when there's so many distractions pulling them in different directions. So, you know, as a result, you know, the, the external part of an ADHD kid's life is a huge challenge. And so what we want to do is create as much structure to not distract them. And to keep them focused. So when you build these external controls in your home, you're helping your kid experience more success. You know, the more they're in chaos, the more they are unfocused. And so if you are a very chaotic person, you're not going to be very helpful for an ADHD kid. They want to know what's coming from one minute to the next. And I got to tell you, there's a, uh, my, uh, I, I have a, a brother-in-law whose brother invented the thing called the Watchminder. And the Watchminder is an incredible tool. He's a child psychologist. It, it's, uh, I think it's on the third version now. And what the Watchminder is, I think it's like a $60 watch. But, but what it basically is, it's invented for people with memory problems, but also ADHD. A parent can program that watch 
Are you paying attention in school? Did you do your homework? Uh, you know, whatever it is that they have to do throughout the day, the watch reminds them to do that. And so it's a really cool tool for kids with ADHD. The watch minder is what it's called. And I'm not trying to plug him because he's my brother-in-law's brother. I'm, pro- I'm telling you this because it's a great tool for ADHD. You know, um, also routines, 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 routines. The more routines you have, the OCD part of the ADHD kid is going to thrive in that kind of environment. Now, let's talk about adults with ADHD. I can give you some tips. You know, the deal is no two ADHD adults look alike. That's why it's vital to understand how your particular of ADHD works. And, uh, you know, how is your impulsivity manifested and where do you make, get the greatest negative consequences in life? And in those places, that's where you've got to develop discipline. The more you understand your symptoms, the more you understand where your impulsivity takes place, the better you're going to manage it and the more confident you are going to be as a partner and as an adult and as a parent. Okay, so being mindful, being mindful. You can sharpen your self-awareness by practicing mindfulness. That's being conscious of where you are the weakest, uh, where you're the most impulsive. Uh, For instance, if you focus on your thoughts, emotions, and urges, along with how your body feels when you're impulsive, you may not be, you know, it may not be easy to fix it, but you might pick up on that impulsivity and get a better understanding of what's driving you. You know, some people get, when they're impulsive, they feel rebellious and they feel uh, like they're doing something wrong and they get an adrenaline rush and they get an actual satisfaction out of that impulsivity. So with ADHD, once again, mindfulness is huge because it helps you gain some distance from your urges. And when you notice an urge, name it in your mind. You know, here's anger. Wanting to criticize my spouse, this is, this, is, this is anger. If you can do something like that, you can relax yourself, you can stay calm, and you can become so much more in control of your life. Also, you want to challenge negative thoughts and take action. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people with ADHD have self-esteem problems because they're so impulsive. And so the deal is you want to take on positive thinking. The more control you get of your impulses, the more control you have in your life and the greater your self-esteem grows because you now are beginning to have boundaries. Boundaries are huge. What is boundaries? Learning how to say no to things that hurt you. That's also the definition, and it's my definition, of self-love. Okay, the other thing that ADHD adults really need to do is to make it harder to act impulsively. That means they may actually pick uh, their partner or pick a friend that they dialogue with around the areas that they're impulsive so that they can get a second opinion. They also want to engage in calming activities, things like yoga, meditation. All of these things are excellent for people with ADHD. All right, now we're going to go back to impulsivity, which is where we started, but we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about shopping We're going to talk about working through impulsive behavior. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about impulsivity and ADHD, but I just finished the segment on, on ADHD now. We're going to roll back into impulsivity, and the biggest area where impulsivity for adults is a problem is shopping. You know, uh, you know, a whole lot of problems because, number one, our economy is imploding. And, and while impulse control problems run the gamut from explosive anger to pulling out hair, you know, all impulsive behaviors share the common singular feature, which is the inability to resist an impulse or a temptation to perform a particular behavior that is, is very harmful and has a lot of repercussions. You know, I cannot tell you how many people, adults, that I've dealt with that are, have very responsible roles in our society that have actually gambled away their mortgage on their home and, and left their, their, their kids uh, with no place to live or had to move in with relatives. It's amazing to me. Gambling and shopping are very similar, and they're very notorious for their dire financial consequences. Uh, you know, we have to pay for our impulse problems, literally pay money for those problems if we don't learn how to control them. And, and be, oftentimes this role that when we get into the shopping mode is inflexible because we're in a, these people get into a mindset and it's just like a video game for a kid. They just want to keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing until they run out of money. And then they'll start borrowing money. 
You know, and it's sad, but a lot of people, credit cards have fed this, number one. And, and number two, uh, go to Vegas and you use tokens so they don't have real money. So that makes people lose touch with what value uh, money has. But also when people are shopping, they, they just, it's like being in a candy store. They just can't resist. And so we have to control our spending if we are impulsive problem people in this life. Um, you have to understand that shopping is a problem because it's also a maladaptive response to emotional stress. You know, uh, it's, it's a, the people will go stress shopping and they will go spend, 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 spend. And when they do that, basically what they're doing is they're making themselves feel better in the moment. But once again, they end up living in guilt and shame when they have to look at the bill and look at the money that they've spent and what they've done. Also, it's important to understand that that people that have shopping problems, impulsivity-wise, often it, this was developed in childhood when they watched their their mother or father or or sister or whoever shop, and if they saw them shop during bad times and spend lots of money, they develop that habit in adulthood. And boy, that is a pattern that is so hard to break. So, you know, individuals with impulse control problems liken their, their self-destructive behavior, uh, it's, to, it's, it's just like an addiction. They, they feel utterly swept away by the urges that they cannot control, and, you know, and it's amazing. Behavior is also a, 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 a wordless language for them. You know, they, they all behaviors wordlessly communicate inner feelings and needs, and so we have to recognize that impulse shopping communicates emotional hunger. That's huge. If we understand that, that that is emotional hunger, I'm going to the store and I'm spending, 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 and I really have no purpose, that means that we inside feel empty. And so that is the problem that has to be dealt with therapeutically rather than the stop spending money. Also, there's a... Very toxic substitutions for emotional sustenance. Some shoppers actually experience a dreamy, trance-like state that they find very comforting. And, and they imagine that they're contently warmed like baby experiences and a, with a belly full of milk. That's kind of what that shopping does for them. And the problem is that they've slipped off into this completely terrible solution that has a reality on the other side of it. You know, they, they use objects, you know, like clothing uh, for a purpose of self-soothing or shoes meant to cover their feet. But yes, uh, what can you do with shoes? I mean, some people, my mother, my God, she had like 300 shoes. I couldn't believe it. But uh, the deal is, is that it's a sensual pleasure to make those purchases because it's about us and it's very self-centered. So people really have to come to grips with what they are doing when they're shopping. And if you are a shopaholic, you really got to begin to, to handle your emotional problems here. And also, uh, you know, we have to think about our inner child. And, and I know I'm not an inner child therapist, but I can tell you that, you know, there's a part of us that when we were younger, that we would have to cope with bad situations by doing stuff. And some people, as children, would walk the mall and leave the house 
And if they had money, they would spend it, but that's how they sought comfort. So we in life can't use our childlike skills and our childlike coping skills to get through life. So let's talk about working through impulsive behavior. It it means exactly like it sounds like. Um, First, you want to think. The next, you want to act. So you first think and then you act later. When it's crucial to think before acting, and here are some of the places when it's very crucial and very common for people with impulsive uh, control problems. Anger with someone, listening to a friend's emotional secrets, taking an exam, uh, being on the job, being on a first date, drinking or, or you're with people that are drinking, shopping, gossiping. You know, you want to ask yourself, how impulsive are you? Do you tend to think first and act later, or are you prone to, to impulsive behaviors? Or does it, do, do you feel alive only when you're doing something thrilling or dangerous? You know, these are questions that you need to ask yourself because it's a challenge. And also when you're working through impulsive behavior, get to know your impulses. Like I said earlier, you know, when are you at risk? You know, uh, when do you, you know... When are you mostly impulsive? What situations drive you? What kind of people drive you? You know, if it's an alcohol environment like a party, maybe you need to get a grip on that and reapproach what you do at a party. Instead of doing what everybody else is doing, maybe you ought to take a step out and do something different. Um, you got to develop self-discipline. And that means that we have to give ourselves consequences when we become impulsive and get in control of it. You know, some strategies, uh, you know, pulling the brakes. What are those? What are those things? What is your reward system for not being impulsive? And that is something you might want to think about. What reward do you give yourself when you're not impulsive? You know, you want to do research on purchases and decisions and proposals before you act on it, especially as adults. Um, You also want to ask yourself, who else is affected by my behavior and how... Do my impulsive behaviors affect myself? Uh, You want to delay your action once again. You want to regroup your mind and and, and think back into your past. Consider situations you had to get yourself out of because of your impulsive behaviors and how embarrassing these things were. That is a very strong self-help strategy. Reward yourself each time you stop and think through a situation instead of acting impulsively. Read a journal or keep a journal. Write a journal and record your thoughts and feelings about your decisions you make. Consider making the decision impulsively. Journal it first. Write it down and see what, it, what it's actually all about. Um, also, write a bill of rights for yourself and read it out when you get ready to make an impulsive decision. You know, remind yourself, choices are critical and mean a lot when we have to think about other people in our life. You know, it's huge to get a grip on this. And, and also, when we do make mistakes impulsively, write down or think about what happened because I made this mistake. What were the consequences? Do I want to do this again? That, that's critical, critical, critical. So here's, here's impulse principles that you want to keep in mind. Know the risks. So assess what areas of life have caused troubles for you. Plan for the risks. That is enormous. Once you've identified your particular impulse risks, 
You can better plan for them and develop a proactive uh, problem-solving action plan. Let social engineering help you. For example, if eating too much is a problem for you, then consider ways to keep problematic foods out of your environment. If drinking too much is a problem, perhaps keep alcohol out of the home. If shopping is a problem, consider avoiding the malls or getting rid of your credit cards. If friends, family, associates encouraging you in a negative way like you know, having a drink with your buddies, consider altering who you spend time with or how you spend time with these people. You know, social engineering is very helpful if you take it seriously. You know, you alter your environment to help you cope better with the impulse control problems. And that is huge. That is huge. You know, a lot of people have problems with drinking too much or eating too much. You know, still others are are hot-tempered. That, you know, anger can be a huge impulse control problem. So, you know, still others find it very helpful to manage uh, their financial situations and debt. Think about how it would feel to have money in the bank and know that you, if you got an emergency, could pay off that emergency and take care of it. How would it feel to be able to have three months worth of income in the bank, meaning that you would be able to pay your bills for at least three months? How, how gratifying would it be? These people with uh, impulse control problems frequently have financial problems. You know, sometimes it's a good idea to think about, especially if you're an impulsive spender, to have a financial plan and actually develop externally with somebody who's an expert at finances how to manage that plan and commit yourself to the ritual of that plan coming first before your impulsivity. You know, you could also set up impulsive times, times that you can budget for impulsivity. and Like a kid in the candy store. Okay, I'm going to go to the candy store today and I'm going to spin, spin, spin. I'm going to spend this amount of money, and I'm going to have a good time. So that the impulsive time is actually an event rather than something that you have to do. And, and so it's huge for us to think in those terms. Another way to hold ourselves back is to uh, count to 10 a whole lot. You know, if you give yourself a timeout, and, and, and I mean talking... 10, 9, 8. The more you drag it out, the better. Because if you can do that, you give your brain time to process. And so, you know, breaking away and coming back to an impulsive thought is another way that you can actually begin to control that impulsiveness. Another thing, uh, when we talk about mindfulness, mindfulness means that you're consciously evaluating an impulsive thought, that you're actually working through it from the outside in rather than the inside out. You know, people that are depressed, people that are anxious, struggle with impulsivity, and that's because they make emotional decisions. You know, their emotions are so high, and they're so strong, and they're so intense and overwhelming that they make impulsive decisions to comfort themselves. And once again, when we look at impulsivity, you may as well look at the word comfort. That's what they're seeking. That is the big problem with impulsivity. So also, you know, getting corrective feedback. It's hard to change behavior without ongoing corrective feedback. But, you know, if you can get people you trust that are close to you to give you feedback when you're acting on impulses in a problematic manner, 
of course you don't want them nagging you, but it's very helpful to know that they love you and they care for you and that's how they're showing you love because they know that this is a challenge for you. And so impulse control, if you have friends that you trust and you know that their motive is only to help you, family members, your spouse, that is their deal. That's what they're trying to do is give you a different way to cope with life and try to help you. You know, the deal is Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> so don't give up. You just don't want to give up on yourself. If you've got that, that impulse control issue in your life, you know, behavior is hard to change. It's very hard. You know, the odds are and, and very high that you'll need to work on it over time and that you'll make progress sometimes and sometimes you're going to fall back. So you want to forgive yourself, but don't give up. Any progress in the right direction is indeed progress and you might try to be gentle with yourself knowing once again that Rome wasn't built in the day. There are no magic or simple answers when it comes to better controlling and managing your impulses and behavior change in general, but there are principles for success. And so those principles are the things that I was outlining for you in this program. I hope you've enjoyed this show. This is something that uh, controls a lot of people's lives, and I know it is something that people struggle with, and they've even buried, they've even got defenses around it because they feel so guilty and so ashamed of themselves for spending. But let's not do that anymore. Let's try to get a hold and get a grip on life. All right, that's our show. Our next show is talking about adrenaline junkies. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, there's a little-known fact. Some bear attacks start with a polite knock on the door. <laughs> also remember, when your spouse says that they're going to quit their job and move to Alaska without a plan, you either get a divorce or decide between a life of unemployment or being the sole income until you die. So that's our show. I hope you listen in and come back with the uh, Adrenaline Junkies. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.